Dude, can we never go two weeks again without podcasting? Dude, honestly, this whole time up until maybe the I last 30 <laughs> seconds, I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe I should just tell them like maybe. And then I was like, what the hell? Like we have, we have been too far <laughs> apart from each other. This is sick. And we saw, we even stopped uh, texting yeah. each other. Like we have barely communicated in two weeks. <laughs> we have. It's weird. It's weird. It's almost like we've been super busy. Yeah. Screw you, Patreon fans. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Oh, your Mondays God. have been bleak. I was like one one day. I I kind of had some time in the evening, and I was like, ooh, maybe since you know me and Luke have been so crazy busy and couldn't coordinate our schedules, I'll just record my own episode. And post that like, hey, I'll, I mean, I'll just like say some stuff and this is what's going on just to mm-hmm. not leave him in the lurch. And then I, I just never got around to it. So <laughs> and then I was like, but I need to watch Doctor Strange again before the next Marvel film. Mm. Mm, that makes sense. Have you watched mm. Iron Man lately? Oh, yeah, dude. I'm currently on. I need to watch Thor the Dark World next. I'm going through them all. Bitch nuggets. You need to tell me this thing so we can do this. I didn't know you were doing know, it, so I haven't I know, started. I Dude, I will stay. I well, will go on a bender to do this. <laughs> we need to do the road to. We'll just do like a special episode. Road to Infinity Wars. Mm. I really do love the mm. idea of catching foxes ruins the movies. I really love that idea <laughs> of doing. Getting you, foxes ruins the movies. Yeah, whether they're just like one, two, you know, or we interview people and just do like a two-hour like. Let's talk about your favorite movie, Bob Rice, and why. Like, I would love that. That actually would be fun. Kind of like, um, you know who used to do that was uh, Dan Benjamin and yeah. uh, from the Back to Work podcast, him yeah. and, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Well, Merlin Mann, uh, John Syracuse, like a bunch yeah, of those John guys. Syracuse. Yeah, they did a huge thing on uh, The Godfather, two hours of just talking about no, The Godfather. No, it was I'm uh, sorry, Goodfellas. Godfather. It was yeah. uh, a Goodfellas. Yeah. Oh, it was, I loved it. I loved it. When was the last time you listened to the Incomparable podcast? Um, I mean, I go on every so often and try to listen to it. There, yeah, I mean, when they, just, like, they like the D and D ones, I don't care about. They do mm-hmm. so. I mean, they're really funny, but you got to kind of get into it when they do these. Um, oh, what do they call it? The um, drafts. Well, they'll do like your favorite sci-fi yeah. robot draft, yeah. and they're really, mm-hmm. really funny. But at the same time, I'm like, bah. I it gets a little bit predictable with how woke it is and who's yeah. woke about what. <laughs> and so uh, there are times I'm just like, okay, I get it. Uh, I get it. I'm a white male. I'm bad. I, I understand. Oh, nope. Still still have to make that point. Yep, you're right. Yeah, they do say, well, white males, like all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're all white nerds. Let's make this very clear. Yeah, every damn one of I you. I love you all. I remember I was listening to one that I was super excited about because it was a sci-fi one. And uh, mm-hmm. it was all about, like, the they review the the sci-fi awards, the Nebula Award, and some other award that I can't remember. And they they all their people read the, the books that were the top, like, five winners. So it was, like, ten books. And they'll give you their judgment of them. And, um, like, the three-body problem that Barack Obama read... And he thought he like so. It's like the first review on Amazon. Like it's a, it's a pretty. I haven't read that book, but I hear nothing but like eight amazing things. Is written by a Chinese author, or Chinese woman, first time. But mm-hmm. this one woman was like, mm-hmm. I'm only reading books. I'm only reading science fiction right now that's written by trans people, um, because I really want to understand their worldview insofar as it applies to science fiction. And I was like, 
oh, that is a deep cut. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, genre fiction, <laughs> science fiction, science fiction authored by trans. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. There no, no, um, sissies here, if you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean. What do you mean by that, Luke? Sis, like us, uh, if you, if you identify with your biological oh, gender sis. you are a cisgender oh that's what you meant by no. sissy i thought you yeah i thought you were using yeah. it as a Sorry. pejorative term for homosexual men who are effeminate no mm. no no no. i meant um cisgender it was a funny joke in my head i was really proud of that <laughs> joke i realized it. no sis it's, here i don't have you i don't have a sis yeah <laughs> what um yeah how like it's it's funny because on one hand I'm all about that like yeah let's I want to hear like one of, that's why Black Panther was great because it really was a voice that you don't intend to have in a lot of the superhero films from top a to bottom distinct yeah yeah yes the whole thing a distinct African American voice um great great stuff it just uh, beat the Avengers in terms of gross amount of money I know can I I just want I I don't know if I brought this up in the last pod podcast but when I saw Black Panther um. There were a lot of African Americans in the audience there, yeah, and they like clapped during certain parts. They were cheering. It was so much fun. The last time that happened to me when I was like when I went and, like saw a film where people actually interacted that much like with the film where they like clapped and they cheered is when I saw Cool Runnings, and there was an <laughs> African American church there, and they like they, you know how the end like everyone starts to like clap as they walk the bobsled down like they did the clap along w- with the film. <laughs> that's awesome and you saw all the white people were just like ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and i was like do i clap is that bad is it seems to be the thing to do it was amazing did you clap so uh, did you clap love, luke oh yeah i did i was 10 and i was like this is great um it was just such a it's just interesting how uh, like different people wa- like i just feel like the bulk of the movies that i watch everyone's very quiet unless it's a comedy like when the like when the, okay so spoiler alert really quick if you haven't seen black panther which who are you um <laughs> how dare you listen he to like this. rises up and it's like they, they saw it was him who like shot the plane down or whatever the whole like people just like were like cheering and they were they all like, clapped and that never happens in any superhero film i've ever seen where the audience <laughs> reacts like that. and it was so much fun the when i saw the avengers it was in Ah, oh, where did I see it? I saw it down where our buddy Thomas Yeager was living, and I was living, and Blaze, and all of our AMDG guys were living down in Sugarland area. All of my all of my friends who went and saw Iron Man together all went and saw the Avengers without me. Cool, sorry. Yeah, 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 and Avengers too. And we all we all saw because it was on Yeager's birthday. Like all these movies come out of the first week of May, and that's Yeager's birthday talk about perfect time i know i know it's really beautiful and so we're all at the movie theater and it is i all... will have a large popcorn <laughs> it is all white nerds and all the white nerds were cheering as if we were an african-american church in the south right we were we were all like i love it and when 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 the hulk guy right when he's when he goes uh you want to know my secret I'm always angry. And he turns himself into the Hulk. Like it was mm-hmm. nerdgasm supreme followed by just people just laughing and cheering. And it was, I love it. And I, it was all, I would say this, it was all like 
18 to 30 year old white males because of the, I feel like people that's, took I off. I took off work. I took off work for one and two. Regret two, but Man. not one. I have to freaking give a. Th- I know I'm very pumped at this, but I have to give a talk. I have to give a theology on tap talk the night that the Avengers comes out. Infinity War, the Thursday or the Friday? So, uh, Thursday night. Yeah, I know they're, they're starting to show it now at like seven o'clock on Thursday. Yeah. So, I don't have my tickets. Yet. Do you have your tickets? Premieres now. It's just the night. Um, no, because the place we want to go to see it, they only have it on one screen right now. I mean, they're going to assume they're going to open up on, on other ones. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, I, I am, even though we kind of have like a few plans for things that, that, that could happen for like fun ways to go and watch this. I am kind of pumped the idea of just watching it with Aaron because we've gone and seen all of the Marvel films since Thor of the Dark World. I've taken her to all of them. Weren't you going to fly down to Houston now, so that we could all enjoy it together? You and your wife we, yeah, on, we a, talked about on a it. sexy staycation. Oh, that's right. We we were going to do, oh, yeah, oh, we're the worst at falling through. <laughs> Someone come and hold us accountable to things. The difference between me and you, I fly to you when I should not spend the money. <laughs> like, hey, honey, this is the one weekend where I'm not traveling away and working, so I'm going to travel away and hang out with Luke with a sore throat. <laughs> so long. Yeah, it was worth it. Yeah. We got some cuddling time. Yeah, <laughs> we got some cuddling time. I desperately clang to uh, menthol cough suppressants instead of going to a medical doctor for my <laughs> violently strepped throat. No, <laughs> you definitely should have gone home like the night before. Yeah, see, people, you don't understand. Is as a United Premier Mileage guy, I can buy a ticket for like thirteen thousand miles and fifty bucks. And I could have gone home like the moment my throat was like killing me. And instead, I just bought more honey, more uh, and ice cream, more <laughs> yogurt, I, anything cold that I could dump down my throat to numb it. And then I and then I did the opposite with tea and honey tea and all that. Remember, we sat in that weird British pub that was 90 percent empty except for us. And mm-hmm. I, I said, hey, could you do me a favor and just pour honey all over my vanilla ice cream? And she's like, that's really weird, but yes, I can do that for you. And it's terrible, but I did it. Yeah. No, listen, you you do you, man. Oh, it's been so long. Yeah. Why do we do this again? You know what? I'm actually fine with never doing Catching Foxes again for the rest of our lives. <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I go through things where I'm like, is this over with? Oh, crap. This is over It better with. not be over. I get speaking this gigs out of this. It better not be over. So to all those people who have hired me or want to hire me or have written emails that I haven't gotten back to, listen, I'm probably going to come and do your event. But please, please give me like three more weeks. <laughs> I am. Oh, anywho. Anywho. I love you, Luke. I, I am overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed because of 500 different things. Not any one thing. But it's as the RCIA guy, it's Easter Vigil. This is. I this just is had to. Super Bowl, I really like this guy, and I had to tell him that he can't get baptized this weekend. And I'm not gonna because I love this person. I really, really, really wish he was on our team, quote unquote, end quote backslash. So I just I had to send that email out, and I felt like crap. But we're doing some cool stuff at work that have nothing to do with my RCA job. So I get I get really excited. Here's my thing that I've realized. I'm a I'm a I know I'm an idea guy, ideation. I love mission and vision. I love big picture stuff. I love the notion of 
getting people excited about mission and movement and evangelization and all that stuff. What I'm not good at um, is, or, or what I realize, let me put it this way, not what I'm not good at. What I realize in the past my failures have been is sustaining that vision for other people who don't get it like I get it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like we want to be a parish that's oriented to the outsiders because guess what? There won't be a parish here in 20 years if we aren't oriented to the outsiders. And so I talk about it and people are like, anytime someone talks about evangelization, good Catholics are like, yes, yes. Someone else go do that. Yes. And, you know, they'll fund it. Mm-hmm. They'll fund the crap out of Matthew Kelly and all that stuff. But the idea of being like, but I have to take away your program so that your people can help me run this and so that we can have more space to run this well. Mm. You know, it's not just about like, well, do you have the space? Mm-hmm. You have the space, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but you don't just occupy space. You occupy the attention of our maintenance facilities and all of this stuff. I want all of them dedicated to this one event once a week for people who are on the outside. And I don't give a crap about the 15th year this has happened for you, you know, like you're in the way, get out of the way. But I can't say that because it's not nice. So if anyone from St. Anthony of Padua, Roman Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas is listening, I'm not talking about <laughs> you. I'm talking about the guy sitting next to you. I hate that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I just had a good talk with Aaron tonight about a lot of that stuff as as well. It's uh, it's very interesting how much uh, how like your your job or like whatever job you have is so much of the issues that I think that we face are what I guess you might call soft people skills. Literally thought you were going to say soft porn. Go on. <laughs> the, um, the issues that we face, like 90% of it is soft porn. I mean, people skills. <laughs> what, Luke? <laughs> Mr. Black. Um, that was a Deep <laughs> Simpsons cut that had no real point to what we just said. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been listening to Matt Frad's audiobook of the porn myth, which is excellent by the way but that's excellent yeah Mm. he has a british guy reading it and i feel like matt frad writes like like he has a little c.s lewis-esque to him Mm -hmm. with the little funny quips while he's delivering these heavy points and hearing the british guy i was like is this a c.s lewis book and then i got really sad that it wasn't matt frad's voice i'm really sad about i know Anyhow, no, go no, on. it's valid. I mean, it's, it, he's got a beautiful voice. Sorry, I got distracted by one of my so, speakers. So, soft skills. Soft skills. Soft, <laughs> yeah, just like little things like, man, it is really to like to, if you want to really properly, actually um, had a, uh, I uh, had a friend who is a consultant walk me through these communication steps. And I was like, oh my gosh, to really effectively communicate with people, you've got to do that. Like those are six. Or I think it was like was it six steps? She's gonna kill me if she is listening. Um, but I promise I've been I've been trying. Um, and I was like, yeah, like just to like get sometimes. How do I want to get this packet? Like how do I want this packet to like look? Or how do I want you to like organize this? It's not as easy as just saying, hey, can you just like organize this like that? It can be like a you know twenty minute chat. And at times I I mean it's it's just like. It's very interesting sometimes how slow we actually have to go to get certain things done and the things you have to, like, I don't, I I think so much of what we think should just become like, should just come easy to us is actually a skill that has to be developed over time. I'm just, I'm kind of fascinated by that whole thing. I, I think what one of the big things is, I mean, I'm 100% agreement with you and I'm finding that 
if you are good with your social skills, you're not super awkward, you're not super, um, you know, the difference between a joke and making people uncomfortable. Uh, I, I sometimes lose sight of that. You, you have, the, you know what I mean? Like these, those social mm-hmm. skills that help you navigate people. You're able to look people in the eye. You're able to deal with a, not just confrontation, but like, well, we could say just pushback. Like uh, I was in a meeting the other day and it was the five people that I trust the most at work in terms of our cord- our role as coordinators and, you know, the things that we're doing. And I didn't talk for more than one minute before they were like clamoring over me to shut me up and do all this stuff. And I remember at one point during the meeting, I started getting a little frustrated because I was like, you guys are literally saying what I just said, but we just put a different word to it, mission versus vision. And after, and in that moment, I was just like, <laughs> this is awesome. This is so awesome. I've never had an argument during a meeting at church that I didn't feel like I was going to have to apologize for later. Like we were people who took each other seriously enough to argue with each other's points. Mm. And when we made like when clarity happened and agreement happened towards another area, we were like the, the all the, the contention went out of the air. And then we started rallying after like we were arguing over like the language of something. And uh, it was like, I think we should do this word. It's like, I think that that's literally the worst word we could use. And we would say things like that without people being like, well, you know what? Screw this. I'm done. You know, no one, no one even came close to that. And I loved it. It was my favorite church meeting I've ever had. Hmm. Because people need that's to be awesome. able to, you know, you need to be able to argue if it's something that you really believe in. Like, I know for a fact that I don't know everything. The, the one thing I do know is that I don't know. But I I know that I can have the ability to intimidate people who don't read and study about and nerd out about the churchy stuff like I do. So I can, like, overwhelm people with information, but it might not be the correct thing or true for our situation. And I have had people who won't say anything, but then will do pushback behind the scenes because they didn't want to be rude and they didn't want to blah, blah, blah. But what they end up doing is they're really passive aggressive and you just undermine the whole effort. And so it's like if someone just would have shouted at me instead of, you know, like just quietly accepting and then opposing me in the background, it would have been a a much improved thing. So I am grateful for people who know who have the skills to, number one, receive not even criticism. I would just say pushback to receive pushback and can give it. You know, have you had that in a meeting? uh no or is it all yes bishop no bishop yes father no father um no it's <laughs> choose your words care carefully luke uh i don't know why a bishop would be at any of our meetings though <laughs> <laughs> uh, luke don't choose your words carefully go for the gusto <laughs> people need vulnerability and authenticity luke luke listen this is this this is catching foxes we don't hold back uh, so you hear that everyone's starting your stupid podcast. It's basically kind of like a ripoff of, of ours. Stop. I'm so tempted to name names. Anyways. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. But that's okay. Oh, that's... Go, on with the, go on with the other thing and don't alienate our <laughs> listeners. Uh, okay. So uh, there's this weird. So, okay. It's, it's very weird, right? When you have, when you are, especially with a lot of, okay. What was the age range of the people in your meeting? <laughs> do you really want to know <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh, uh a late 20 year old a 30 year old 
a 35-year-old. That's three. And then a mid-40s and, and early 50s. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so um, we when, you young. Have, when you have a meeting that half of them is baby boomers and half of them are uh, millennials, especially within the church, what that really also means is that uh, sometimes your idea of what the church should be doing, how they go about it, and what that actually, what that actually looks like is not aligned. And so not only do you have this, well, like, so what the generational gap tends to cause is not only is that, it's just like what, it, it makes it very hard. So, and I've seen it done well, and I've seen it done poorly, um, more on the poorly side than on the well side. And uh, and this has been at parishes, this has been at schools, this has been at all sorts of different things that if, uh, I think one of the things that you that you brought up that's super important is the alignment part. Uh, I think not only is it important that you have clarity in terms of what you are trying to do, so you all have to agree on that, but you have to be aligned in terms of like what we all agree with what this looks like. I don't think a lot of groups where uh, half of them are very like what we call rad, trads, hate anything after, after like Vatican II, and uh, a group of charismatics are really going to be able to do a lot uh, together because you're just not aligned. Like you, you both might have, but let's say you want to like evangelize. You both have a lot of clarity as to what that is, and you agree, and you're all on the same page in terms of the church's like teachings. But you, the way you like to carry those out, we like to express that, are not aligned. I think it's next to impossible to get anything done in the long run. Yeah, so who's driving that vision of what exactly. what it means? It has to be and, and, whoever is the leader. And I think it's a cop-out when we say, well, he's busy or she's busy. Mm-hmm. It's There's no one else that can, that can unite the clans more than Robert the Bruce. Okay? The lion, uh, the Braveheart himself said that, Mel Gibson. But the same is true about any lead. That was a Braveheart joke. Uh, about any leader, like it has to be the leader. It can't be the people. I, I'm actually pretty sure that the real Braveheart is Robert the Bruce. That in reality, his name, that he, he's actually the, the Braveheart. I don't know if that was the intention of the film, but I'm, I am like 80 to 90% sure that historically he was the one known as Braveheart. Luke, who gives a shit and answer my question? <laughs> well, no, <sorry. laughs> I thought he did. No, my thing is, you, you, we can say all like, okay, you got a bunch of rad trads and you got a bunch of charismatics and then you got a bunch of frozen chosen and all these Catholics in a meeting. It is the responsibility of the leader of whatever institution, organization, church group, whatever that is, whether it's a movement, whether it's your local young adult co-op, if there is, there will be no consensus. So how do you run that? Well, you have to have a unified vision and that can only come from the leaders. Yeah. The leader has to listen. The leader has to do this, but then the leader has to boot out people who refuse to adopt the vision. So if the charismatics, their version of evangelization is running up to total strangers and saying, can I pray with you? And that's not the initiative you're doing. You fire them, let them go, or ask them to go join a different group. The same is true with the Rad Trads. If their version of evangelization is, 
I mean, I don't know, rosary guilds. Like, I don't, I don't know what a regiment does for evangelization. <laughs> Private shamings. <laughs> they're not Amish, but they're tending to be. But the notion of, uh, that's going to end up in Reddit. Um, the notion of. <laughs> oh, screw you, our Catholicism. You can bite me. Go on. <laughs> I think they did by kicking you off. The, uh, the, it's, but it's the leader's job. And if the leader, I don't care who the leader is, then don't be the leader of that group if you're not going to do the leadership thing. Don't say, well, I'm nominally the leader. You can't have a nominal leader. A nominal leader is a, is a, is a, is a married bachelor, is a, a, whatever you call it, a, what's the other one, a pregnant, not pregnant person. You can't be halfway a leader. You can't be halfway pregnant. You can't, you can't do that. You can't say, well, uh, you know, and, and I'm just using this because we exist in church circles. You can't say, you know, the auxiliary or the whatever is the head of this group and he'll come to our meetings once a month or once a quarter, but the actual people doing the work, they're, you know, it doesn't work because then you have all these people with disparate visions and which only lead to divisions. When you have more than one vision, it's a die vision. And that's the thing that people don't pay attention to. You have to have, God, I am standing on a soapbox. You have to have a coherent vision. That's what my meeting was all about, where we were yelling at each other. Is we were trying to come up with a coherent vision because we wanted to say, this is what it looks like for us going forward. No more mm-hmm. of the past. The past is great. I'm honoring it by continuing to do so much of the past stuff. But looking forward, this is the marching orders. And if, we, if you can't get on board with the marching orders, then you have to leave. There are other Catholic churches in our area. Run along, little doggy. Run along. End scene. No, not end scene. Pushback. That was good. I like that. I know Look you at my can't. text message. I know I did. I just saw it. <laughs> this is what we call the rock and the hard place that Luke exists in. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna try to. Okay, okay. Um, well, just take it a generic leadership. Take it, apply it to your school. Like, if okay. you as the yeah, principal true. were yep. nominally in charge of every group that ran, you are in charge of nothing. And you're ruining those groups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think a real, so this is, I was actually, uh, I brought this this example to Aaron yesterday. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, just tonight. Um, anyways. I think a really great example of really of a really great leader uh, within within any organization. I think this, this really applies to the church as well. Is how a good high school, how a good high school football coach runs his team. Now, my um, my high school coach could be a huge dick, but um, and I actually lost a lot of lot of I lost a lot of respect for him as I grew into adulthood when I would. When I look back on that experience, however, the one thing he did that was very, very well, that was, sorry, that was extremely good, was how he ran his practices. Uh, you had all of the oppositional coaches who had to coach everyone each day in your own thing, but it was all part of a game plan. And it was a game plan that he that he had to established that all of the other um coaches bought into and what he did was he would like he would roam around the practice field pop his head in or in certain times when he knew he had to explain certain things that were so important to our game plan to certain people in those in those certain 
positions, he would run a special part of the practice for them. So he made sure that everyone was on the same page. So you've got people there who who you trust, who buy into what you are doing, who are, and you have to be willing to like step away when they are doing that. Um, and and that's I think one of the big issues within the church is a lot of our leaders um, they're not trained. This is especially true at uh, a certain Catholic schools and probably at, I think, a, a, lot of, uh, a, a lot of parishes as well, and even different apost- apostolates. We tend, we tend to emphasize so much of the theology, and you, and you like have to be on board for that. Like, why are there no... Catholic MPA programs with a good con with a good concentration in nonprofit management. Like there are there aren't any of them, and I know I've talked to certain people be, be behind the scenes. People are trying to explore things like that, but there's not one school that I've seen that that has a Catholic MPA, which is a master's in public ad, ad um, admin. With a concentration in non in nonprofit management, that's because that's what you're doing. Like when you are running a parish, you are running a nonprofit. Now, that's I'm not saying that like that's the main care that, that that's the main care historic care. That's not the main part of like what you do. But you are five hundred one three C, I believe, right? Yeah, at a parish, you five hundred one three C. Like so, you're 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 a nonprofit. And if the priest is the head of that, if he's the pastor, if he's the guy in church, he's got to understand what, how does a nonprofit work? Because it's not the same as the business. It's a nonprofit. It's different. There are, there are different skill sets you have to have. Same things with, like, schools. You don't know how I learned to, like, like, how, like, like how to, like, work with a board. I just listened to – I binged on pot, on, pot, on podcasts, and I learned how to write an, an executive summary. Based on how Mark, like Mark, like Zuckerberg wrote his, kept it at the one page. I was like, deal, and that's like I just copied that. There was no like go to thing for any of that stuff, and I think it's a real problem. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with all of that stuff, but on top of it, I would say the the basic premise of being in charge and i'm applying this to myself i'm not saying oh these other people aren't doing their job i'm applying this to myself where i have failed in a leadership role is when like for instance i'm the coordinator of all adult faith formation but i don't run individual ministries of adult faith formation but if i'm not routinely meeting with my leaders which i'm not i'm only sporadically meeting with them now, I'm communicating with them routinely, but I'm not meeting with them and doing stuff. What will end up happening, if there's any quality control that starts to suffer, like, for instance, if small groups suck in a men's group month after month, that's ultimately my fault because though they are tasked with running it, I'm tasked with allowing them to run, okay? And so their existence is owed in large measure on our campus to me and my leadership over them. And if I'm checking out, not just not popping in, but I have to have a higher measure of involvement with them in order to even call myself a leader, a supervisor, or a coordinator. It's not just about giving them information. This is These are things that I'm realizing as I'm going forward. I run 
ministries. I run multiple ministries and I oversee other ministries. So what I end up doing is exempting myself from having to deal with those other ministries. I just make sure they're up and running according to their own wishes. But I need to stop that because I'm nominally leading them without actually leading them. And Mm -hmm. so my goal lately, my goal has been ramping up my communication to them. And then we're going to do this big um, ministry leaders meeting where now I'm going to leverage that to be my now give me feedback from you. And I think we're probably going to do like a praise and worship thing and some scripture stuff at my house make it spiritual and invite them to. And just to have this, um, a feeling of we're all in this together, but you are in fact looking to me to help lead this into the next thing. But I've been checking out with you because I'm too busy doing my five other things over here. And that's the thing that I'm having to cover too. But how often, like, we're not, our meetings are just like people telling other people what we're doing. And we only emphasize the good things. Uh, how's your, uh, how are, how's your ministry going? Oh, um, well, it's great. Next person, please. <laughs> you know, I, well, and here's one of the things too. Is that, so, okay. I'm, I'm actually going to go even a little bit like deeper with all of this. This is one of the dangers of the anima technica vac, vacua. Cause at its core, it's about, from what I understand, the split between grace and uh, nature, and basically the isolation of those two th- of those uh, two areas. And what we tend to do is everyone kind of go see if you look at all of like nature stuff. It, we don't have any room for grace at all, so let's bring it. So it's so we tend to make things more about the grace part. With that, I'm going to mean like, what does the church have? have have to say and blah 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 and what happens i think one of the dangers that i'm starting to encounter with that is then you isolate grace and you don't think oh basic core like principles of having to run a meeting having to run a on like nonprofit, those don't apply to me because i'm a church and this is all it's all is grace which is what like saint paul says i believe which is true but that doesn't uh, but like Grace built on like nature, like they have to. You can't neglect one at the expense of the of the other. And so, what happens is we grow way bigger than we ever really should. Like your no real organization, from what I understand, can grow by by like any more than about one like one like than a third. So, and how often? at our parishes or at our, at our like diocese or our schools, do we just say, okay, so we're trying to build our own K through 12 school. The kids are now going to be about in high school. Let's just do a whole high school as opposed to one grade at a time. I've heard that happen um, multiple times, or we have an um, apostle. It's going very, very well. We want to like, I'm a double our size. So that's like a hundred percent growth, which is absurd. Um, really try to grow the size of your staff by about, say, one-third and, like, slowly build a thing. Work fast, do a lot of good stuff, but, like, grow slowly. And instead, we, like, over we overstretch ourselves. So then all we can do is just a quick talk of, like, how you doing? Good? Great? We good? All right, bye. I'm out. And it's just more of, like, everything becomes just a quick, hey, how you doing? Good? All right, great. I'll see you at the next thing. So, but then, but then like, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, now I I agree with a lot of what you're saying because um, I see it firsthand in a big parish, 
how easy it is to lose sight of one another, right? It is very easy to lose sight. So how do parishes mm-hmm. get so big so fast? Well, a handful of things can happen. Number one, your demographics in your city shift. So a bunch of white people who have European, especially Northern European and Eastern European backgrounds who are largely Catholic or whatever it is, you know, end up shifting into your neighborhoods, right? Or you get like we're, we have, we're blessed with a huge amount of Hispanic immigrants. So if you have a ton of Hispanic immigrants and they're looking for a church and lo and behold, your church has a Spanish mass, they're going to come to your church and get connected just for that Spanish mass. So you got to really like it's demographic shift. Um, if your church is the newer church, you'll just naturally draw younger people to the newer church. Even if they're doing the same things as the older church, the older church feels old. The younger church feels young. And so you'll have this kind of natural pool. And if you have a bunch of young people in visible staff positions, then it makes it feel like a young church. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so you are, we're not really growing, we're swelling. We aren't taking people who are atheists and making them Christians. We're taking people who are Catholics at other churches and switching them to our church or, you know, or, or just, just immigration. Right. And so the problem with that is we can grow significantly even without our desire. Right. So for instance, my parish is huge. We have a a sister parish, which is huge, but the Woodlands is uh, the Woodlands and just North of it is Conroe. Conroe is the fastest growing city in the United States today. So if the city right next to my fancy posh city is growing super fast, it's going to not just trickle down, but flood into our church. And so the problem is not just like, I want to double my parish size uh, in 10 years. The problem is my parish is going to double in size in the next 10 years. What the hell do I do? Right? It's like the opposite. It's not like I'm trying to, I'm ignoring the, the nature side of it, which is I need to come back to this point, but it's like, it's like the, it's things outside of our control. They're not going to start two or three or five new parishes, which demographically they probably should. It would better serve the needs of the community. But these two churches have to absorb the entire impact of the growth of the woodlands and a third church in Conroe, you know? So it is interesting that we're just, we are literally playing a game of catch up, right? We're just desperately trying to keep our head above water. Catch up. Ketchup. 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 Hey, hey, Gomer, for the third time. Hey, what? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Luke, I just got this great idea. You know what we should do? We should talk about liturgy for just young adults. How about that? No baby boomers. Yeah, take that. No people being like, you ruined everything. Blah, I may have created you, but now I'm mad at you. I'm a modern-day Frankenstein, the doctor. Um, (laughs) Yes, we are talking about a liturgy conference for just young adults, and they're not pushing any type of agenda. I don't need an agenda, Luke. I want to be agendaless. I don't listen. I don't want to. Ha- I don't want to go to a thing and just feel bad for like everything. Or <laughs> I don't want to be. I don't want to be annoyed either by 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 everything. So I just want to know what the church talks about. That's it. The good people wear Luke from the um, liturgical <laughs> in- institute are are putting on a really great conference this June fifteenth through the seventeenth called the Transfigured 
conference. It's a conference for the young adult group all about the liturgy. How great of an idea is that? And he's done a really good job of combining that with booze and hanging out and prayer as well. This sounds fantastic. (laughs) Why don't you tell the kids some more of the details? (laughs) Yeah, so Dr. Michael Foley, who is uh, a professor of patristics, means the Church Fathers down here in Baylor, um, he is gonna. He has a book called Drinking with the Saints, and listen to this. He's gonna give a lecture on the liturgy of drinking from his book, Drinking with the Saints, followed by a cocktail tasting. So yes, young adults, there will be booze. That's btransfigured.com slash cf. You go there. It's really good if you go there. It lets them know you heard from us, uh, and it, and it helps us out. So they're sponsors for the show, and they keep coming back. So. This is, this is at Mundelein, just north of Chicago. That's where Bishop Barron was, right? So Liturgical Institute sits on a campus, 1,000 beautiful acres. It's going to be awesome. Each day starts with chanted morning prayer and sung mass. So you know I it's going to be I epic. I could go to this. I, I've, I have another conference that I have, to, I have to give a talk at. But if I could, I'd be at this in a, in a heartbeat. So please go for me. I think, like, we all, I think one of the things that as a, a current like millennial, I don't know if we were I'm really raised to really understand how important the liturgy actually is. And I think a lot of people are starting to rediscover that. So if you are one of those individuals, this is the perfect opportunity, a perfect thing to uh, go to, especially because there's just a lot of opportunity to still like hang out, have, like have a good time. This is the, this is a really great idea for a retreat flash conference. So go and check this out. Uh, Btransfigured.com slash CF. I wanted to say thank you really quick to the people over at the Liturgical Institute for sponsoring our little podcast. Mm, the Liturgical Institute presents Transfigured Young Adult Liturgy Conference, Mundelein, Illinois, June 15th to the 17th. <laughs> but, but I do want to make a point, uh, <laughs> since you're not going to make a point, I want to make a point to you, which I think is funny and Tell me where I'm wrong in this, but I feel like what you just pulled was the type of stuff I've been trying to say to you. And yes, even Brandon Vaught <laughs> was trying to say to you, but in a, with a different spin on it, which is we can look towards the business sector, the public sector, the nonprofit sector, and pull out best practices in order to be better at our jobs, the soft skills the people skills, the professional skills, not discipleship, but a lot of that other stuff. And I felt like you had such an allergy to any of that stuff. SWOT analysis being the uh, whipping boy of choice, but I like, don't work, (laughs) but I love, love reading these business books and gleaming tons of insight to me. That's nature. That's me studying the people who are the most invested in getting nature, right? And I felt like you, for the longest ever, like, man, put that down, bro. It's all about prayer. And then you smoke weed and shoot That's not people. what I was saying. That's not what I was saying at all. I think that there's a, um, ugh, I'm really going back down this road again. All right. All right. Let's do it. Skipping. Skipping down this road. Let's do it. All right. So, okay. Oh. Uh, trying to remember exactly there's something that brandon said that really bothered me and i was like we just don't agree and just like walk away luke it's it's fine i think there's this element of that i get from a lot of stuff 
those things always have to, and I've I've brought this up to you in the past, and I, you you brought a really great point. Those things always to be at, they should always be at the at the service of what we're trying to do. And I think they are useless in the church setting if they're not like steeped in prayer and in a community. And the end should always be that overall, so within a group, that overall discernment of where you want to go. And 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 what you want to do and what you feel like the Holy Spirit is calling you to and praying for the Lord to really reveal those things to 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 you. Part of that uh, part of that it's so it's here's my issue. I think very often we make those things the quote unquote like SWOT analysis and all this stuff, the des the destination and as opposed to part of the journey. Or the one I'm deciding on a factor to tell us where we're going to go, as opposed to the tool in the toolbox that we use. So when we're doing like Lexio and we are praying or trying to decide what we're going to do, there's an element of like one informs the other, if that makes sense. And my and my, I think my issue with certain people, like what I tend to see, and, he, and who knows, like if it takes them like I'm all, like, and this is this isn't fair to all Brandon because he's not here to like um, like, like answer this, so I'm not. I don't want to accuse him of anything. I'm growing up too. Um, <laughs> but, um, no one's being accused of heresy today. Yeah, I said that. I said and said that he was. <laughs> so okay. So, anyways, um, I'm Facebook friends with him now. It's fine. Um, uh, let me let me just back up. Sometimes what bothers me is I feel that what is happening is this is all you need to do to like make your own your own, like ministry work. And yeah. I kind of don't agree with that at all. I'm like repulsed by that. No, I don't know. And when you say this uh, is all, what do you mean by that? Because when I say this is all you need to do, I mean prayer. I mean community. I mean, you know, I mean all the things that you say. And I think yeah, the majority but, uh, of people do, but they're they're not explicit about the prayer because the prayer is being assumed. See, and I don't think that you can do that. Right. I think that I have a big problem with, like, oh, gosh, I really don't want to throw anyone under the bus. or tr- like. Yeah, I don't think you have to. Just talk around it. Okay. <laughs> There's just. Um, throw them I under noticed. the bus, Luke. Throw them <laughs> under the bus. I got the keys. I'm driving it. It's big and yellow. <laughs> I'm, like, thinking of all of our friends who are like, Luke, go. Just go. Please, please. I'm um, thinking of all of our Facebook fans who say to me, Gomer, Luke's filter has been kicking in lately, and you just have found ways to smash right through it. <laughs> okay um oh shit i forgot the point <laughs> so i said i think for a lot of people prayer is being assumed which is why they're not going into all these conversations about prayer i think one of your comments See, that you okay. said was well we're not like someone finally mentioned prayer and you're like thank you and then their response was well yeah of course we're praying and you're like really because no one's mentioned it yet you know and that's where i think your pelagian comment came from was it's like Here's a bunch of systems we're going to use, and then magically it's going to result in millennials coming back into our church yeah, and the adults if, coming back into their church without prayer, without meeting them, without accompaniment, you know, all the buzzwords. But I think they were assuming that, and then they're pointing to these other things that most Catholics— See, I don't think they were. 
I, I, I well, just, I mean, think like, about well, just think about this. Uh, someone like Brandon Vaught, who's involved in the Word on Fire ministry, that's trying to become a movement, and all the things kind of embodied in that. I mean, they're they're going to daily mass. They're praying. They're doing their thing. They, you know, they're, Bishop Barron's praying. It's not like he's not praying. But they're coming up I'm with not strat- that about, um, Bishop no, Barron, I, though. That's- I know, I know, but he is the right hand of Bishop Barron. He's the content media director. So what I'm saying is, could we maybe extend a little grace and assume that that they are presumed like that they are assume that they are assuming prayer. Yeah. You all know how to pray, which I think is the big problem is most people don't know how to pray, but especially not, uh, you know, intercessory prayer, prayer for an increase of the Holy spirit. Um, but they're saying like, Oh yeah, well, you already know all this, but what we're going to, we wouldn't teach you how to do a SWOT analysis. Right. And I'm just bringing that up because it's fun. But, um, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> no one knows how to, no one in the private no. sector knows these private sector thing or the nonprofit things. And when you introduce that out without introducing it, Within the con- context of prayer, can't you just be say like, well, obviously they want us to pray about this stuff and then do these things or no? No, because see, like, here's the thing is that the, the prayer and the stuff that you're doing, they are intertwined. So it, it still comes down to this thing where I, I just really get the, the, the overall like vibe. For, and this, um, this, I don't this is I'm not talking about like word on fire. Okay, hey, so no, no, like, you're not talking about them. You're talking about example. your own thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about just like other things that I've seen and things that people have put out there. Is that grace and nature, they're just still isolating those two in terms of how they talk about them. And I just don't like that. Like, I don't think, like, if, like, I mean, it's clear all over, like, Benedict's stuff that he says, like, how he's so, he isn't, like, really like, anti, like, management, but he does say, like, that's the last thing that we need is just those things to solve all of our like issues. I mean, he, I mean, he directly says holiness is the answer to all of man's problems in, in every age, not like not management. And he refers to that, how like the saints transformed their, how, how they transformed their like age was by transforming themselves. And when you, and when the emphasis tends to be on all we got to do is this, like, you know, this, like, SWOT analysis, and this is the key to unlocking a great, like, a great, like, youth ministry program, I call bullshit on that. Because but have you ever I, heard anyone say that? Yes. I've seen You've things heard people, where it's just, it's, it's I think, okay, with, sorry, without you reading really into it, that's what I mean, without you reading into it, I don't, are you reading in too much? That's my question is, do you feel like when someone's doing a presentation on um, the, you know, I, I, I don't know, graphic design, and, you know, if you do graphic design, it'll appeal to millennials, if it's very good graphic design, it appeals to millennials, you're going to get them to come back to your church, so hashtag Instagram, right? And then you're like, are you going to ever freaking talk about prayer, buddy? Is that is that like the kind of thing that you're seeing here? Is that what you're talking about? No, because I think that's a. Um, see, my thing is that I would get annoyed if they didn't talk about the role of beauty in evangelization. What John Paul II calls up against with a P. Um, crap, I'm f- sorry. I was not prepared to talk about any of this, so I'm I'm uh, I'm drawing a blank on so like what this is, but like the like. Let me think here. I, I get I get what you're t- trying to say. I think it's really more honestly what bothers me the, the most about that stuff is the way that it is like marketed. Drives me up a wall. 
Yeah, like and I'm down there. I'm 100 down there with that. That a lot of it is is that. And what I feel like a lot. What's that thing where like it's all just like a marketing scheme, where it's just like one thing after like it was like click right here to get this blah blah blah, and then you do it, and it's just like more stuff. It's just like click right here to get like blah blah. They have to click like five links to get where we're actually trying to go. There's a term for it. Yeah, I don't know the term, but I forget what it is. It's always you when know, I'm trying to look at celebrity though, right? celebrity pictures. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> click oh, yeah, here to like see that. the worst celebrity photos on the set of of uh, <laughs> Avengers: Infinity War. And I'm like, ooh, this is gonna be great, and then it opens to a box with a a grid of pictures, and you're like, wait, what the hell? Where's the one that I wanted to see? And, and oh, here it is. Click, click like five links. Yeah. yeah, and it's about trying to create. Like to me, that's like it's like a sucker punch, and you're just trying to like sell your stuff, and it just feels dirty. And I know a lot of church things that like are like that, where it just is so um, really, really great marketing doesn't is they're not trying to scam you. They're not trying to screw you. They're not trying to like um, they're not trying to like they're not trying to trick you into like buying their stuff. They're really trying to get you to understand what they're about so you can make the choice to be a to be a part of it or not. And the and there's a lot of stuff out there. And I've been a part of these meetings through some things that I'm doing right now. And it's been really cool to do that, to find ways to really share your story, to say, this is how you're the hero of this, or this is like your role in this, or this is what this person's doing, like to really get that across. And it's really, it's been really, really cool. And it is like, it just, as opposed, like, it just feels, the other stuff just feels so cheap. Are you talking about where they, in the marketing material, they radically overpromise what exactly, this, book, this yeah. thing will do? And it's it's like to me at times it feels like you know just a step or two above buy this holy handkerchief and your life is gonna the Holy Spirit wants you to buy this. And it's just like just tell your story, dude. Just tell like people who you are and let them make the choice to be a part of it or not. And I, it's just this whole thing of. Um, it's where I get annoyed with a lot of church consultants because, like, what does St. Paul do? St. Paul is ingrained in a community for, like, a long period of time. He's with them. He's doing – he is, like, living life. He, like, shares life with them. He bears the consequence of the um, decisions that community makes while he's with them. And while the bulk of church consultants, they don't have to worry about that. They're just, like, in and they're out. They just only like you know, give their spiel, get paid, and they're gone, and and they don't have to. This is what like Steve Jobs talked about on how like why he doesn't like a lot of consultants because they don't have any. He talked about they don't have any skin in the game. They don't have to live or die by the consequences of what they recommend. They just like have the recommendations and they're gone. And why? That's why I think really I'm disgusted by a lot of the things I see from church consultants, especially. On, on like LinkedIn, I'm just repulsed by it because they just want to be a Catholic speaker. They just want to get paid to talk to people about God and not have no. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's what Catholic speakers are doing. I'm not, that's not what like you do. I know like what I mean is they just want to like like I've got I've got the answers. Pay me, and as opposed to they don't want to suffer with anyone. They don't want to. Sorry, I should not use um, speakers as an example. That's not what I meant. I just meant like they just want to be hurt. All the bridges are to... getting burned in this one episode. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Listen, we haven't had keep an going, keep going. Like this. I'm giving you pushback. I, like, I just said that's the great quality of a great meeting. No, 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 no. No, it's fine. And it's like that's 
like that just drives me crazy because I'm like, what are you like, like, I'm like f you, you don't have the answers. <laughs> You, you, you just don't like how much you're being paid at, at a parish and you want to make, you want to, I'm going to make money after people and just, you're, you're just, you're a snake oil like salesman. Almost everyone I've seen on, on like LinkedIn, that's what they are. They're selling snake oil to, to parishes and it drives me crazy because they're not invested at all. St. Paul spent time with people. He lived with them. And and then, yes, like, he was gone, but he was still in touch. He was doing things. It, it wasn't just this, like, let me just spend an afternoon. I will transform your... Like, that's ridiculous. That is yeah. that is insulting to... I, 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 ugh. Can you tell I get a little bit heated about this? Yeah, well, okay. So I like exactly... I like exactly what you're saying. And I want... I want to touch on this and get your feedback because I consult very, very rarely, but it happens from time to time. And one of the first things I tell people is as a Catholic speaker, my whole ability to affect change is I am a tiny catalyst. That's it. I'm the guy you bring in because for some reason your youth group or your you uh, or your you know adults or whatever have the people who usually minister to them they've put up the the blockers right and they're not listening so you bring in a third party who maybe you know by being a quote-unquote professional can be funnier than you or more dynamic or speak more to the age group or whatever it is right and i tell them all the time i cannot do discipleship i can teach and i can preach you're the ones who are doing discipleship. So tell me what your people need to hear. When I get people who give me uh, an outline and they say, hey, you, you know, they'll give me a talk title, but no bullet points or no information about who the audience is and all this stuff. I have to ask them for that. Like I am, I don't want a blank canvas. I don't want people saying, give me your best talk. I want people saying, we need your best in this specific area because we know this is where we suffer. This is what's happening. And and does this match with what you've been doing? So I have a talk, a training from about nine to one in, 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 a, in the middle of a parish staff retreat. And I'm coming in. And I'm just training them on one narrow area. How do you proclaim the charisma in as you know in in the parish? Like how do you do the basic gospel message in a parish? Because most parishes were never taught how to proclaim. They were only taught how to teach, right? And so that's my whole thing. What I don't want it to become is exactly what you said, right? Is exactly what you said. This guy who walks in thinks he has all the answers, drops some, you know, lessons on him with some cliched sayings and a, a couple stories to back it up and then Moon walks out of there. How would you, wanting someone, like let's say you're going to hire someone from Evangelical Catholic or NET or <laughs> Alpha or Focus, and you say, listen, I want you to talk on one specific area. How do you introduce people to Christ and share that with our staff? What would you? What advice would you give to that person to not do what you just said the consultants want to do? Uh, I, I think you need to get even more specific. So something like how to do this in the workplace or how to do this, like something. So we, we being who knows, brought in like Matt Fratt to, to basically talk about like porn. And that's like such right. like a niche, like that's just like a real specific thing. 
and he's a good guy to bring in. And it was, I mean, he, it was an amazing talk because Matt's just the best. And I, I would, at times, I feel like even that example of like how to share Christ is almost like too vague. And so I think if you just, if you really want to be one of those people who are like in and out, you got to have this, like, this is a talk that I give. If you think it can help you out with what you're trying to do, like, that's great. But like, this is the specific little thing that I do. Matt Frad gives a, a, his talks are extremely specific. Um, and I, I think like yours are how to like share the, um, like, like that's fine. Like, that's a, but if you're trying to bring up, if, you want to be, if you as a parish or you as an archdiocese or you as an apostolate school, whoever, if it's, it, I don't think it's really going to work if it's not a part of this overall thing that you're trying to, to do. So it's like, if it's just, it's like, yeah, we need to have that, like, we need to have, we need to have the Gomer guy talk and then we'll know how to like evangelize. Well, that's not true. Like you can bring, you can bring you in that can start this and they can bring you in for some type of, some type of specific purpose that is very like niche like how, so how to you know become more krigma oriented but to really see that through in the long run that takes a long time and i've and you being brought in in my opinion this is just my opinion should be if they're like want this one specific, or if it's part of this overall thing that is going on but if they're dependent on that one talk to change everything about their about their parish and their parish culture that's weird so uh like i i actually uh would i think of props to evangelical catholic because they've i've seen that with them they've been involved with some stuff that i that some people i know have been doing for the past three years now and they're invested in what's going on there they've got skin in the game they've spent so much time so many hours they're invested in like people's lives like they're really trying to make some good things happen, and they've put in so much time, and and it's bearing fruit because they're there, they're in the thick of it with us, and it's been really cool to be able to like see that and see all the fruit that's coming about because of that. Um, so if I were so to really answer your sorry, that's a very I'm a long answer, but to say if I were to bring in anyone, I would get as I would get as specific as I can with with like what I want them to like talk about, or like what talk I would I would want that to have. I would also explain where their talks fits in our overall plan. So when we brought in like Matt Frad, it was the first thing in what's in what's been this ongoing thing that's going to take years for us to do. And it was one of like the first big things that we did for that. And it had a, it was just not this like, it was not like a one-off thing that, that we did. And like, well, hope this works. I mean, it was the first thing of this overall plan that's like years so in terms of going back to our earlier argument about SWOT analysis and stuff, the toolbox, too many people use speakers and consultants as not the tool in the toolbox, but as the end all and be all. Exactly. And so if yeah. someone wants to deal with pornography, they invite a Matt Frad and anyone who Matt Frad may associate with in the future <clears throat> to come to their location and give a talk on <laughs> pornography <clears throat> And give a talk on pornography and then uh, and then say like, okay, well, we address pornography. And then they have it that be the end of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. This was see, that's always how I view being a speaker. That's why if you listen to a lot of my Steubenville talks, I will constantly be referencing their youth minister, their clergy, and their chaperones as being like, talk to them. 
I'm just this guy. Talk to them. That's why I don't, you know, I do the exact opposite. Because I have a full-time parish ministry, I do not have time and space for people who just want to come and, and unburden their problems on me and then leave and then expect me to, like, fix it via email. Like, I don't, I don't have mm-hmm. time for that with, like, Superville conferences and young adult conferences and stuff like that. Like, I'm more than happy to chit-chat and talk shop with other youth ministers and young adult people and whatnot. But the problem becomes um, I'm already investing in people. I'm investing in people to the point where, like, if I keep doing this, it's going to hurt my marriage. So I have to back off or I have to involve my, my family in it. You know what I mean? So my wife is starting something that we've talked about, which is a once a month prayer meeting in our house for anyone who wants to come. And uh, we, we've never done that before. And this isn't like a charismatic prayer meeting. It's just people who want to get together and pray. And so mm-hmm. talking about that, one of the things that I see is speakers who are professional speakers the only time they actually get to quote unquote disciple someone is the minutes following a talk where they're in the front of the stage. Now, good things can happen. I'm not denying that good things can't happen there, but you're not discipling anyone. You're not investing in anyone. You're let's be honest. You're giving them five minutes with some quick and dirty tricks that they or tips that they can get out of your book, which you're probably going to remind them is for sale in the back of the room, right? Like that is the trajectory that I see so many speakers People think being a speaker is easy because you get to go and give these incredible talks, get the incredible applause, and you don't have to do the unincredible slogging through the muck with people. And there is nothing that can replace the muck. A good talk cannot replace accompaniment through the muck. You can't. You can't. Mm -hmm. And people are, uh, I think people in general, I sent you a podcast that I'm sure you didn't listen to. But if you, because you would have commented immediately, if you listen to... <laughs> I knew which one you were talking about. Sorry. No, no, no. But I mean I, I said, I mean, I knew you didn't listen to it because you would have said to me, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Like this right <laughs> here is awesome because they do a good job. Like this one guy says, we're not here to teach, teach people just about Jesus Christ. These people don't even know how to be in a room with other people. Like they don't know how to have what well, we just talked about, the soft skills. Like if you can handle soft skills... If you can handle what it means to be in a family and to take criticism and give criticism and to love people and to do all this stuff. And, to, and he said this, he said, to not text and flake out after you've made a commitment. Because in good families, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. But now we have people who are like, yeah, I just don't feel like it. Um, hey, man, I'm not feeling well today. I'm just going to not come. I mean, how many times have you done that? How many times have I done that? My wife, who is the most fanatical person about schedules, she's done it. And it's this notion that, like, in the past, we never would have done that. Like, you just say, well, yeah, I committed to this thing. Either you totally withdraw, but you can't half-heartedly commit. And a lot of people today are like, well, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a volunteer. And it's like, no, 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 you're a missionary. You're investing in these people's lives. Well, I mean, I am, but, you know, and that that is an attitude um, that I've had it within myself, may, uh, not so much anymore, but definitely in my past, where it's like, they're lucky to have me as a volunteer. That's really what you're saying. You're lucky to have me as mm-hmm. a volunteer. And if I don't want to come, that just, that it's like going from surplus to break even. You should be at break even. You get me. And if I don't want to come, then oh well. Like, <laughs> you know, and it's the supreme yeah, no, arrogance, totally. supreme arrogance of it all. But speakers, that's what they do. That's what they think. Like, you, you need me to deliver the one talk that everyone needs to hear. Mm-hmm. 
And for me, I, I always tell them, you need to follow up with something that my talk hopefully catalyzes. Do you know who the one person who, well, not, not the one, do you know who really impresses me is, is like father of Mike Schmitz. Because every, I've only really been around him twice. But each time, he, he just is exactly the way he is in uh, the video. And when we talked to him on the podcast, it was like it's like this. It's like the same guy. Yeah. There's no. He doesn't. He, it's not like a show. And I am so. Uh, I mean, I am grateful for him for a, a lot of reasons. Things that he doesn't even like know about, just because his video. Like honestly, it's one of the things that's been really tough. Has been like just the lack of a spiritual director here, because I just know all the priests and I, and I have um, to work with him. So his videos have become my kind of go to it's really weird how the holy spirit has like kind of like used his stuff I'm like oh this is exactly what i need to hear that's weird <laughs> like, yeah. i mean it's, it's the noonday devil really, yeah it's been super weird like it's just it's like anything i'm dealing with like there's been things where i've like bitched about here on the podcast for like a week later or like the next day he's like had a video about that i'm like did he hear that and decide to make this or is this just <laughs> like it's been super weird but um so anyways um but he, like one of the things that really hits me about him is it's not some spiel that he's trying to give. It's not something he's trying um, at a pedal. It like really is him. I think, and I think, I mean, like I think a lot of your top notch speakers, your good ones, they are that. That's what like that's likely Darrow is. She's been very kind every time that I've, I've, I've talked to her once. But she was just like so nice. And when I heard her on the other like on the other like episode same thing same thing like same thing like matt frad like there's but it's the one where it's like i'm gonna like do my thing put on my little spiel put on my little like show for you because i know what you want that kind of bothers me and i I, and like there are times when you don't obviously like i just i experienced this when i taught you don't want to do but you like do it anyways but this idea of like who you see on stage is who i am yeah as a person like they are a witness first and why they're so big and why people really bind them is because they're a witness first more than teachers yep <laughs> sorry Went did you just para- did you just paraphrase that from pope paul the 6th if Damn modern man listens to more <laughs> listens more readily to witnesses than to teachers and if he listens to teachers it's because they are first with that encyclical i am in th- i am obsessed with it I think it is so important, and I wish more people who worked in, who worked for the church, especially in evangelization fields. Uh, oh, I use the word field, Ugh, gross. Um, who did evangelization stuff? I wish they, I wish we paid more attention to that encyclical. I know it's not sexy because it's not John Paul II, but it is incredible. It is incredible. Ha, ha, have you read it? Yeah. I mean, it's no JP2. You see what I did there? See what I did? See what I yeah, did there? I did. Hey, can we appease Aunt D really yeah. quick? Can we, so, Aunt, Aunt D, one, hi. Um, so, Been a while, my lady. What, <laughs> one of the, one of the, I, I should pull out my uh, Aunt Umdi picture and like have it up anytime that we talk about here so she really enjoyed when we talked about what we are reading okay i thought maybe 
I've been reading a really cool book that one of my coworkers, um, hello if she is listening, uh, that she lent to me. It's very good. It's okay, called what is it? a can- a canticle for Le- oh oh gosh for Leibowitz. Yes, yes. It's like wow, I'm two thirds away through it, almost done. Phenomenal. I've never read it before. Have you? I have not, but it's on my top, uh, my top five. Dude, you need to read it. Like you need to. It needs to go up to the. It needs to go up to number one. It's post-apocalyptic it's, Christianity. Mm-hmm. It basically like yeah. It's so for everyone who does not know, it's a book written in nineteen fifty-nine. I think Catholic stuff you should know did an episode on it, but. Anyways, uh, basically about like there's this cold other so the Cold War ends in this like nuclear hol- holocaust and takes place in the first it's it's um it's actually three like novellas so split into uh, three parts to form one kind of big big thing and the first one takes place I think like six hundred years into the future or something and they're base it's basically about like how um like how like man like just like rebuilds like rebuilds everything and it they repeat the same mistakes over again it's it's just it's phenomenal it is phenomenal i am i just love it so it's a good book but it all surrounds what like a pope-like figure or bishop or something no no so it's so it, it um basically skips like 500 like years or so within each of the parts so it it just kind of shows the advance of man mm. in this post apocalyptic world like and uh so they start off they uh, have like a friar starts with him then it goes to this abbot and they're and they're all kind of a part of this one of this one of this one like monastery who was started by this guy named like Leibowitz, who was I think he was like a scientist who after the after like nuclear holocaust happens, he starts this order and he's killed because uh they wanted to kill all basically all like of the scientists, all of the people who were in education who like brought about this like horrible age. Right, the know nothing so the anti know nothing yeah. or no, that's yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, pretty much. Gosh, I think they're trying to. How do they? I think they put they kill all the specialists or something, and so it's this and it's the idea that this order, kind of like the oh no, I mean just like the um, abbot in Monte Carlo, uh, that basically preserved all of the West for the most part throughout the years. This one order just preserved as much as they can. I mean, in the beginning, through what they wrote and through their like only memory. Of the West, oh, not the West, of like the world. So that all the like the only thing that like really kind of like lasted or would only make sense like any of us in the, the beginning is the Catholic Church. It has this idea that the Catholic Church is an eternal thing, which is super cool. Huh, that's very interesting. It was recommended. Uh, I want to say Brandon Vaught had it on a Word on Fire like top ten sci-fi list. You know, and of course he loves Brandon Vaught. Be- Why don't you go and start a podcast with him? I tried before <laughs> catching foxes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's, we are Facebook friends, and actually, I saw him get into an argument with one person on like like online, and I totally agreed with what he was saying. I was like, "Good job, Brandon. Good job. <laughs> you guys are best friends." Um, yeah. So, what am I reading right now? Crap. 
<sighs> I am uh, one book I'm reading right now is an old apologetics book, an evangelical discoverers tradition, Catholic tradition, by by whose by, by whose authority by Mark Shea, because I have um, a pretty rock solid group of Protestants that are pretty hardcore coming in this year and next year through my inclusion program, which I invented for baptized and well-formed Protestants who want to become Catholic. And it's much more intense. So the questions are pretty hardcore apologetic stuff. But here's my favorite part about it. Not about the book, but about me is every single class (laughs) that I do, every single class, no matter what topic, by the end of it ends with the death and resurrection of Jesus. Right. And Mm. that is like my fanatical adherence to a charismatic proclamation of even apologetics. So when I'm talking the papacy, I'm talking about preserving the gospel, infallibility, all that stuff to preserve the basic gospel message, which is that Jesus Christ died for you, blah, blah, blah. But when I do salvation history, I walk them through all the prefigurings of the passion and death of Jesus or his resurrection or whatever it is. So I build this huge case. So I'm rereading that just to kind of help me. There's another book called um, What Difference Does Jesus Make by Frank Sheed. It's really interesting, but I'm only one chapter in, so I can't really say that. I Unless I'm like 10 chapters in, I don't really say that. Like I'm reading the book. Damn, I just finished a book. Oh, I'm reading Jocko Willink's um, Extreme Ownership. I've gone back to that. He's Navy SEAL dude. I think oh. I mentioned it last time. I'm I'm finishing mm-hmm. it now. It's it's awesome. It's just about like these basic leadership principles that is he. It, what? No, no. Is that's not the one where it's just like a bunch of like print stuff overimposed on a bunch of like pictures, so you can barely. No, read no, no. The that's text. that's discipline equals freedom. That anno- I love the idea and what he's talking about, but that just annoyed the hell out of me. I love that book. I have. Here's the deal. I want to change my habits. You have no taste. I want to change my habits, and so my. Primary issue is when I engage in my day, I get caught up in my day without, and I get swept away. So when I'm super, super busy and I'm super, super hungry and someone leaves a thing of donuts, you know what I do is I walk by on my way to the copy room, I grab a donut and then I grab two donuts, right? Like it is so easy for me to do it. And if no one sees me, I feel like it doesn't really count, which I know is stupid. So I have this daily reminder that comes up at 11 a.m. when I'm at my hungriest, and it'll say discipline equals freedom. And I don't uncheck it. I let it stay on my phone and on my iPad the whole time until I leave work. And then when I get home, I have one that hits at 7 p.m., which is a question that I ask myself every day. And it's, did I let the Holy Spirit lead me today or did I just do my work by myself? And that includes my family, my relationship with my Mm. wife, everything. And so I'm realizing there is a secular version of St. Francis de Sales morning and evening examines, right? Like in the morning, you set up your day, you rehearse it through your mind, and you say, these are my resolutions. And in the evening, you say, how did I do with my resolutions? What are the big things that I need to atone for, thank God for, whatever it is, you know? And uh, I realized that that, you know, there, there's this line from Fulton Sheen where he says, whenever we put something down as a church, the world picks it up. And he's like, we gave up the rosary and the hippies wear them around their necks. 
And I think, oh, we gave up fasting, and now the CrossFitters are doing intermittent fasting and circadian rhythm fasting and all this stuff. Well, one of the things is the discipline of the daily order around the liturgy of the hours and other things. Um, it really does frame your day in a powerful way. And I'm just now, like, recovering that, and I'm recovering it through productivity. Mm. And it's cool. weird. Dude, that's it, awesome. I'm so yeah. proud of you. Yeah, well, it's just weird. It's just weird that it takes a productivity system to teach me the lesson that St. Francis de Sales tried to teach me when I first read Intro to Devout Life when I was like 18 or 19. And so <laughs> looking at this, I'm like, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to use technology. I'm not going to be a Luddite who thinks the only way you can have a spiritual connection with God is without an iPhone. I, so I set these daily reminders because I know, I know me and I know how screwed up I get. And when a cue comes, I just get triggered and I go do the behavior. So oh, that's another book. I just finished a, finished a book called Triggers. It was really good. Hmm. It was a really, really good book. It's funny because the word trigger is only mentioned in one part of the book, but you could totally tell that uh, I heard a Hello Internet podcast. They said you could totally tell that the marketers were just sitting around being like, we just want one word for the title. Triggers. And then like 10 years later, it becomes a punchline <laughs> of college students, you know? And so it's this mm -hmm. whole, but it's a really good book because he talks about how people are your environment. And they are constantly shifting, and they can trigger responses in you subconsciously that you don't even know you're doing, but they set the environment. So, like, if the room is too hot, you're going to sweat. If it's too cold, you're going to get cold. But if a certain person walks in and they start whispering, you'll respond to them nine times out of ten by whispering back, even if there's no reason to whisper. And it's like other people, their personalities and your history can cause you to do the same thing. So how are you going to rise above it? And he introduces this notion of the questions. And you ask yourself these active questions at the end of your day. And so far, the only active question I could come up with was like, dear shithead, have you actually let the Holy Spirit do its thing? Or did you keep stomping hmm. over him? So, and that, which all comes with soul of the apostle, where he says, you know, it's it, the arrogant apostle says, essentially, get out of my way, God, and don't put up any obstacles and watch what I can do for you. And it's like, you can do nothing. So I'm trying to remind myself of that. So no, that's I'm proud my, of you. yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you can be proud of me. I'm not really doing anything, but then I'm also, I'm like getting back on this weight loss train. Here's this, here's the deal, Luke. If I lose 30 pounds, I get, my wife is giving me permission to buy an Apple watch. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Yeah. I'm kind I have a time frame on it that I'm not telling anyone, but, uh, I, I do, I'm doing intermittent fasting. I'm trying to step up my fasting game. And I went 20.5 hours without food, and I did not feel hungry at all because I was drinking water and tea and coffee, which I don't believe, black coffee. So it was fun. I don't know. I like hmm. this. I like this. It's fun. And people do not, do, not, do not thank me, congratulate me, or wish me well because then I get a, uh, a nice reaction from all your well wishes, and then I give up doing anything. I just talk about it. And so I don't want to do that. So don't say anything about that. <laughs> That's what people do all the time. When you go lose that, you know, what I'm going to do, I'm going to lose 15 pounds. I'm on this diet. I'm working out every day. It's great. And people are like, oh, well, my gosh, congratulations. And you're like, I am amazing. But I haven't done anything. So I want to do something first. I screwed up. I screwed up big time last week with a couple of things. What's can that? I, can, can I, I just, I, I really need some accountability in my life. Well, let me and our 6,000 fans be that person for you. 
Hey guys, it's Luke. So I want to talk to you guys really quick about a very cool opportunity in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, which I can either confirm or deny that I know anything about that place. So let's say you're in your early 20s or so and you go, hey, I want to go into youth ministry, but I have like no background in this. Or you're like, hey, I've got a degree in this stuff, but I just feel like I just want to spend some time really working as a missionary. Have I got an opportunity for you? The Office for Youth Evangelization in discipleships in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is inviting missionaries to uh, serve for two years at an understaffed parish for the sake of jumpstarting youth ministry uh, there. And you're going to be, and you're going to actually, I'm going to work with people in the, in the like Archdiocese, that office, there are some great guys. I know all of them. They're doing really great things. These are some of the best youth ministers I've ever had the privilege of, uh, let's just, let's just say like knowing And they're going to help you jumpstart a youth ministry program for two years. You're also going to have the opportunity to live in community. The impact of this stuff is incredible. The things you're going going up to learn are incredible. If you want to find out more about this, go to the VIA website, which is viacatholic.org slash missionaries. That is... Again, that is like via catholic.org slash missionaries. If you have any other questions about this, feel free to hit me up through the Kenny Fox like Facebook page. This is going to help you really become a rock star youth minister. Again, that site is via catholic.org slash, uh, slash missionaries. Thank you to all the fine folks over at uh, the VIA group for sponsoring our show.